Thanks very much, Catherine and Stuart. And can we give our appreciation, please, for the whole worship team, too? Good evening, everyone. It's really good to see you all here tonight, and thank you very much for coming out to be with us in Dundonald Elam, and also for those who are joining us online. My name is Pip, and I'm one of the pastors in this church, and it's an absolute privilege to share God's Word with you tonight as we think a little bit more about the armor of God. And just by way of recap for, for any folks who weren't here this morning, what we did was we introduced the armor of God by thinking about, firstly, the importance of context. Far too often we can hear the second half of Ephesians chapter 6 preached on in isolation from the rest of the book of Ephesians. But Paul started this scripture, which we'll read in just a minute, with the word finally. And in doing so, he connected all that he had said in this book about salvation, our identity in Christ, and also the life choices that we are supposed to make to a battle. And also then we thought this morning about our enemy in the battle, Satan, and that whilst he is a, a formidable foe, we should not be over preoccupied with him. That's because he is a defeated enemy. And we should always be preoccupied and focused upon Jesus because he's the one, as we sang this morning, who wears the victor's crown. He's the one who has been exalted high above all dominion, power, and principality. And then lastly, we thought about how the main point in this armor of God passage is about being strong in the Lord and how this speaks of strength that we receive from God. Psalm 18, God is our strength and our refuge. And tonight, we're going to think in particular about the helmet of salvation. So if you have a a Bible, please, we'll, we'll read this scripture again together. It's found in Ephesians chapter 6. And we'll start reading from verse 10. Ephesians chapter 6, and we'll start reading from verse 10. This is the authoritative and the inspired word of God. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. Stand, therefore, having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, And having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace, above all, taking the shield of faith with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all of the saints. Amen. And we know God will add his blessing to this reading from his word. Our first point tonight is this. What is the armor of God? What is the armor of God? Well, basically and very simply, 
It speaks to us of spiritual truths that can protect us in this spiritual battle. You see, when we became Christians, we not only inherited the blessings of God, we also inherited his enemies. And we were introduced to a battleground. The grace of God, which Paul beautifully describes in Ephesians chapter 2, not only reconciled us to God, but it also antagonized us towards Satan. As we say this morning, do not listen to people who say the Christian life is a doddle or easy. It is not. The armor of God speaks about spiritual truths that can protect us in this spiritual battle. And the Apostle Paul, he would have been very aware, of course, of the armor the Roman soldiers wore. As we said this morning, when he wrote Ephesians, he was in prison for his faith, acutely aware of spiritual warfare, and he could very well have been chained to a Roman soldier. And of course, we know that the Roman army were an elite force. They were the superpower of their day, primarily because they were a well-equipped and disciplined army, and we need to be well-equipped, and we need to be disciplined for this battle because it's the ultimate battle. It has eternal consequences and we need the ultimate protection in it. And whilst there are some interesting truths that we can link in from Roman army, I don't want to really over-egg that type of approach tonight because I feel sometimes we can over-spiritualize Roman armor and try and look for every link of spiritual truth in it. I don't think Paul actually meant for us to do that because the most important part of this scripture is not Roman armor. It is the spiritual truth that can protect us. And my prayer is that every one of us will be wonderfully encouraged tonight as we listen to God's word. And every Christian here will be encouraged to see the protection, what God has set in place to help protect us in this battle. And that non-Christians will be encouraged here tonight that you can see the hope that you can have in Jesus too. There are many people here who are listening to this message and listening online and you will be feeling the heat of battle in your lives. This morning we were thinking in particular about marriages, family relationships, and church unity. But people will be feeling the battle tonight over big choices that they have to make. Maybe there are financial struggles that you are going through. And what Satan loves to do, and those spiritual forces of evil, is increase the heat of battle through temptation to sin, and also spiritually wonder when we start to feel sorry for ourselves. And he even loves to get us to doubt our faith. He is the father of lies. Incidentally, when I say Satan tonight, I'm actually meaning in that name, including in his name, the spiritual forces of evil. Because it's not always Satan who's personally attacking us. But I wonder, do you ever consider why these thoughts start to invade our minds? I must not be a Christian anymore. How could God love me? Have you ever wondered why the memories of sins in the past, which have already been forgiven, given, always seem to come to the fore? Ever considered why that disappointment in your life took hold and root in your mind and became so crushing? 
There have been so many times in my life where I have preached God's word and seen the Lord do just the most incredible things, but later that night I'll be lying in my bed thinking, I am never, ever, ever going to preach again. Why do these thoughts come into our minds? Satan wants to make us doubt our faith. He wants to increase fear and panic in our lives. He's the champion of discouragement. He's the champion of frustration, confusion, and moral failure. He's the champion of envy and also broken relationships. He knows our weakest points. If your weakest point or mine is lust, Stealing, lying, getting angry, or just compromising our faith. He knows how to tempt us. But friends, fear not tonight. Satan might be the champion of discouragement and all the rest of it, but Jesus Christ is the champion of the world. He's the champion of the world. We were singing this morning, he has overcome the world, and he has done everything to set things in place to protect us in this battle. Does that mean that all of a sudden everything's going to be rosy in the garden for you or for me? Absolutely not. This is a battle. But what I want to do tonight is show that by looking at the helmet of salvation, how we can know protection for our minds protection for our minds. And I want to encourage you because if there is someone here tonight or listening online and you think that you're just such a failure as a Christian or you feel that you're so defeated in your Christian life or that maybe you're not even a Christian anymore, I want to encourage you because hear this, the battle you're experiencing in your mind is evidence of your faith. It's evidence of your faith. Satan attacks us because we belong to Jesus. So that battle is evidence that God has not left you. In fact, he never, ever, ever will leave you. And I hope that this message tonight fills every single one of us with confidence to reach out afresh to God, to be strong and to stand in his power. Just as a little aside here, on the whole issue of not feeling close to God or not feeling strong as a Christian, please be aware of a dependence upon feelings in this battle. We make a rod for our own backs and we give the devil a foothold in our lives when we depend or build a theology upon how we feel. Our faith is not dependent on how we feel. It's purely and completely dependent upon the word of God and the truth that is contained in it. So how does this salvation, like a helmet, protect our minds in this battle? Well, a helmet, of course, stands to reason. It's designed to protect the head which is the most important part of the body. It's the, the center of information, of intelligence and, and thought. The head is one of the most vulnerable parts of the body and was always considered a major target in war. I'm told that when, when marksmen are being trained, they will be trained to shoot at the trunk of a body because there's more to aim at. But the skilled marksman or the sniper will aim for the head. Why? Because nine times out of 10, a headshot is a fatal shot. And Satan is like a skilled marksman. 
He's been trying to knock God's people out of battle right from the beginning of time. And because the mind is a battlefield, I believe that nine times out of ten, he aims for our heads and our minds. And why not? Psychologists tell us that the imagination is ten times more powerful than the will. Which, if you think about it, is why we so often fall foul of temptation. And so if we let Satan mess with our heads, he's going to. Earlier I said he's the champion of discouragement, of frustration, of confusion, of of doubt and insult, all of which are associated with the mind. And so Paul says that our salvation, it's like a helmet that can protect our minds. And this truth about protection of salvation, it only affects Christians. Which is why later on, we'll give anyone here who is not a Christian the opportunity to respond to him. Salvation protects our minds because here's how. When we understand what God has done for us, when we understand our identity in him, it helps us identify the enemy's lies and helps us to stand, as Ephesians 6 says, against them. And what we want to do is think about our salvation over the next few minutes. And this is where we will see how the sword and the helmet are inextricably linked because we need the truth of God's word to understand our salvation and to protect our minds so that we can stand against the enemy's schemes. If Jesus used the sword of the Spirit when the enemy came against him in the desert, well, and how much more do we need to? You see, the mind is so important. Psalm 23, or Proverbs 23 says that as a man thinketh, so he is. So if we're going to continually let Satan lie and put in here that we cannot get over that sin or that God cannot love us anymore or whatever it is and we do not take captive those thoughts by the power of God's word, eventually we will start to believe them. Hitler was a man who understood the big lie and how it was such an effective propaganda tool. His whole ideology was based around how a big lie will always carry with it some level of credibility. So he said, tell a lie big enough and often enough and people will believe it. And history tragically shows that's absolutely true. It's the same in the spiritual realm. As a man or woman thinketh, so they are. So if Satan whispers a lie big enough and often enough, we will eventually start to believe it if we don't know the truth of God's word. I can remember elderly relatives of mine when they were coming to the end of their lives, frail, ill, and vulnerable. And each of them would have said to me at one stage or another, am I still a Christian? And it ripped at my heart how the enemy was prepared at such a vulnerable time in a saint's life to be hitting out at their assurance of salvation and making them doubt their salvation. So for the remainder of tonight, I want to look at some of the, the rich tapestry of truth from Ephesians about our salvation and our identity because this truth helps us to stand. Faith comes by hearing, and hearing comes by the Word of God. When I was a boy of six, I gave my life to Jesus. 
I remember it was in my grandmother's house and I woke up in the middle of one night and I knew I needed to become a Christian and I asked God to come into my life and save me and I went back to sleep. It wasn't really a Damascus Road experience, but it was real. And that was when something special happened in my life because God reached into my life and he reached into the depths of my sin, past, present, and future, and he dealt with every single one of them. He forgave me and he brought me into this relationship with him. And for every Christian here, whether you can remember a specific moment in your journey or not, it's exactly the same for you. You have been forgiven for all of your sin. The Bible tells us as far as the east is from the west, so far has God removed our sin from us. You can't get anywhere on a map and stand and say, I am east. You can't get anywhere on a map and stand and say, I am west. There's an infinite distance between them. God says, see how far they're apart. That's how far I've removed your sin and all of its consequences from you. So folks, when Satan comes and he reminds us of past sins, we can stand because we know the truth of God's word and it's been dealt with. Ephesians 1 verse 7 says that in Jesus, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. Ephesians 2, Paul talks about how we have been saved by grace, this favor of God, unconditional favor of God that you and I do not deserve, how we've been made spiritually alive in Christ, that what was dead inside of us because of sin, when Jesus saved us, it became alive in him. It burst into spiritual life in him. Is it any wonder when you read through Ephesians and when you get to chapter three, Paul was praying that God would help the people comprehend his incomprehensible love, the height, the depth, the length, the width, all of it. He has saved us. And he's not only saved us from the penalty of sin, he's also made us his children. He's made us his children. It's incredible when we get this and we understand what God has done in our lives and who we are because of it. History tells us that Roman soldiers would often scratch their name and the name of their centurion onto their helmet so that people would know who the helmet belonged to and who their leader was. And I love that because our salvation, our salvation like a helmet protects us because it speaks about who we are. It speaks about all that God has done in our lives and it reminds us of who our great centurion is, Jesus Christ. Christ. Ephesians 1 verse 5 says we have been adopted, adopted into his family. Oh, I wish we had time tonight to explore how, how adoption revolutionizes our relationship with God. 1 John 1 3, one of my favorite verses in the Bible. How great is the love that the Father has what? Has trickled? No, has, oh, beautiful, we're lavished upon us that we are now called children of the living God. It's awesome when we understand our salvation. It's incredible 
when we get who we are because of it. But you know, I'm really thankful for when I was in Sunday school and I had teachers there and they taught me that when God saved me, that he didn't make me perfect, that I was never going to do anything wrong again. I fully became a Christian as a six-year-old, but I'm so thankful that people taught me that all of a sudden I wasn't, didn't teach me that all of a sudden I was perfect. No, they taught me that God was going to continually be working in my life that he was going to be smoothing over many of the rough edges in my life. And he's still doing that. And he's still graciously going to do it until I meet Jesus face to face. If I had been taught that becoming a Christian meant all of a sudden I was to be perfect, I would have fallen away as a wretch years ago. I fully became a Christian as a six-year-old, but God's word teaches us that his grace sustains us. His grace keeps us, and that should inspire us tonight. It should inspire us. It should weld something up within us that wants to go out and wants to live for him because living for God and making those right choices is an important part of our sanctification. Do you know, when God looks at you tonight, what does he see? He sees Christ in us, the hope of glory. Isn't that a wonderful verse and truth? He looks at you tonight and he sees Christ in you, the hope of glory. Paul wrote this letter to the saints in Ephesus. That word saints carries the meaning of holiness with it. He didn't write to the the ones who will become saints in Ephesus. He said to the saints in Ephesus, those who when God looks at you, he sees you as perfect in his sight. Listen to this. Ephesians 1 verse 4, God chose us. There's too many Christians fall out over what that means. I'm not asking you what it means. I'm just asking you, look at what it's saying. God chose you. Why? To be holy and blameless in his sight. There is nothing in your life or my life that surprises him. He knows it all already. Yet he still chose us to be blameless in his sight As I was saying, that should inspire us tonight to want to live for him. That's an important part of our sanctification. Ephesians 2.10 says, we are created in Christ Jesus for good works. Good works cannot save us, but our salvation should inspire good works and should inspire a change of lifestyle within us. So that when Satan comes and he tells you that you're rubbish or he tells you that you're worthless, we can stand Because we know we're not finished articles. We're working out our salvation. But we're held securely in grace. And also that salvation has the future hope, doesn't it? The future hope that one day God's going to take us out of this battle. And he's going to wipe away every tear from our eyes. One day we're going to be with him, free from suffering and pain, free from temptation, free from the enemy's lives, with Jesus in heaven forever. How awesome is our salvation? Is there any wonder when when Paul wrote Ephesians chapter 1, most of it is just one big long sentence. I, I love to think that he was just getting so carried away with the incredible truth that he was writing that he just wasn't worried about punctuation. It's awesome stuff and understanding this truth protects our minds why because it gives us hope folks protects our minds because it gives us hope 
First Thessalonians 5 verse 8, Paul says, let's put on salvation because it speaks of the, or, or, or let's put on the helmet because it speaks of the hope of our salvation. And this is important because worldly hope and Christian hope are very different things. Worldly hope doesn't have any certainty with it. I hope I get that job. Or I hope I get that healing. Or I hope I pass that exam. There's no certainty with that. But let me show you through the sword of the Spirit over these last few minutes. And let me show you through God's Word how we are absolutely and completely secure in Him. How we can be sure of our standing. And understanding this hope that is true and certain can help us stand in its truth. Listen to the certainty and assurance in these scriptures. And let them live in your heart as truth. 1 John 5 verse 13 I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may know that you have eternal life. There's no doubt. There's no gray there. It's absolutely certain. John 6 verse 39, This is the will of him who sent me that I shall lose none, none of those he has given me. John 10, 28, I give them eternal life and they shall never perish. No one, no one's going to snatch them out of my hand. Philippians 1, 6, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion. Romans 8, 39, nothing is going to separate us from the love of God that is in us through Christ Jesus. The hope for today and for the glory that awaits us of this great salvation is completely assured for each and every one of us. Now, I I do not want to over-spiritualize things, but a wonderful thing I learned about a Roman soldier's helmet was because it was so well made, it would last for decades. And a good Roman soldier's career would last no more than 25 years. So I thought, that's good. Because a good helmet will outlast the length of a military service. And that's awesome. Because this helmet of salvation and what it speaks of will last the full length of our military service. A helmet for life. And then when we get to heaven, that helmet becomes a crown. Our salvation is secure. It is secure. Hebrews tells us that it is, this hope is the anchor of our soul. No matter what the devil whispers at you or me, we can have confidence this hope, it's never going to perish. It's never going to fade. It's never going to be taken away. So as as we finish and the, the worship team join me on the stage, the armor of God is spiritual truth that protects us in this battle. And the incredible salvation that you and I have in Jesus can protect our minds in this way that when we understand what Jesus has done for us, it protects us. It protects us. We can identify the lies and we can stand strong in who we are. We've thought about the amazing truths. So how can we respond to all of this tonight as we sum up? Hopefully we've seen this morning and this evening about the importance of God's word. What will we stand 
against the enemy with, if we do not understand or, or read God's precious word, our prayer as a leadership team is that week by week we are inspired to go and unsheath the sword and, and read it and understand and encounter God in it and desire to live it out in our lives. That's our passion. So hopefully we see the importance of God's word. But I also, I want us all to go out of here tonight feeling 10 foot taller inside because we know in whom we have believed and we are convinced that he is able to guard and keep that which we have entrusted to him. I hope we can go from here today more aware of the devil's schemes and confident in the hope we have in Jesus because that confidence will inspire us. It'll inspire us to live a different life, to fight a different battle, to become a different soldier. Folks, we have a calling that cannot be revoked. We have an inheritance that cannot be defiled. We have a foundation that cannot be shaken and a seal that cannot be broken. Our lives are hidden with Christ in God. All of this hope, it's not dependent on our feelings. It's not dependent on our brilliance. It's not dependent on our perfection and performance. It's completely dependent upon Jesus and the precious word of God. What a wonderful salvation. Can we go into this week full of confidence? Full of confidence that whatever we face, whether it be in the thick or the thin, the good or the, the bad of life, that we can fight the good fight and bring glory to our great God. Amen? Come on, let's stand together, folks. And in a, a few minutes' time, we're going to, to worship together. But just before we, we lift the roof with praise of our great God, I want us to bow our heads, please. Because you might be here tonight and you're not yet a Christian. I wonder has God spoken to you this evening or has he been speaking to you over this past while and you're becoming more aware that you are a, a sinner as I am too. But you're becoming more aware of God and your need of him. Tonight you can find forgiveness for all of your sins. Tonight you can find a new life in Jesus. Tonight what's dead inside of you right now can become alive. If you put your trust in Jesus, you can find that you can be a child of God. You can become a saint with an inheritance, a guaranteed inheritance that can never perish, spoil or fade away. If you know all this, what's stopping you from becoming a Christian? What's stopping you? If Jesus Christ isn't worth following, I do not know who is. But one thing God's word tells us is that the devil blinds the minds of unbelievers so that they'll not believe. What are those wee whispers that are going on in your mind right now as we challenge folks about becoming Christians? Is it any coincidence that the only time they seem to come into your heads when your heart's beating like a drum in a meeting like this and you've been challenged about Jesus? 
What's He telling you? That God couldn't love you? Yes, He could. Look at the cross tonight and it confirms His love for you. What's He telling you? That you couldn't keep this salvation? Don't you worry about that because as you've heard tonight, God will keep you. God will keep you. Whatever He's whispering, I'm asking you to reject it. And after years of running from God, maybe tonight you want to give your life to Him. So before we go into a time of worship, I just want to ask, is there anyone here tonight who wants to recommit their life to God? And when I I say that you're a backslider, you know what I mean by that. I don't mean that you haven't read your Bible in a week or that you said a bad word last week. I mean that your, your, your life, once you walk with God, but where your life is now, it's miles away from where it should be. But maybe you want to slide back to Jesus or give your life to him for the first time. So I'm going to ask you in this place where everybody's head's bowed, if you'd like to become a Christian or recommit your life to Jesus, just lift your hand quickly where you are. I'll see it. And then I'll make sure that I see you afterwards. It just makes it easy for that. We'll pray with you. If you'd like to become a Christian, put up your hand quickly. I know your hand might feel like a hundred pound weight in the end of it. But just put it up and I'll, I'll pray with you. Father, we want to thank you tonight for the, the sense of your presence. Thank you for the power of your word. Thank you for the wonderful salvation that we have in Jesus. Lord, oh, thrill our hearts afresh with the wonder of it all, Lord. As we come now to worship you and praise you through these great songs, Lord, lift our spirits and help us to go into this week desiring to live for you and to fight the good fight with all of our might in your strength. Jesus' name.